Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church, and a happy third Sunday of Advent. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at TCC. This is your first time tuning into our online service, or maybe your first time checking out anything related to church or Christianity. I speak on behalf of our entire staff when I say welcome. We are so very glad that you are here. If you have any questions, if you are ready to be known, if you need prayer or a listening ear, please do not hesitate to reach out to anyone on our staff. If you don't know where to start, give a call to our office or shoot them an email. They can connect you with what you need. As Christmas quickly approaches, we find ourselves in the third week of Advent. We light another candle to signify the growing closeness of the coming light of Jesus Christ into the world. Advent is a season of waiting, a season of expectation. It's a liturgical season that embodies particular themes about the Christian faith. The first week of our sermon series that we're calling Holy Anticipation, we looked at the hope of the Christian faith that is found in Advent. Last week, Pastor Shane took a deep dive into the realities of peace that are found in Jesus Christ. Today, Luke 1, verses 26 to 38 will be our guide as we look at the Advent theme of joy. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to find Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. The words will also be on the screen. I invite you to listen carefully and to listen well. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. And we say thanks be to God. We're given two things here. Given a choice and a promise. Let's jump right into both. Advent is a season that makes us aware that the world we live in is one of choices. Daily, we're confronted head on by more choices than we can often handle. That is currently amplified tenfold. How will we spend Christmas? What will we choose to get our family members as gifts? Who will we decide to send a Christmas card to? Very dramatic stuff. 
It's a season of decisions, a season of choices. Throughout the course of the waxing and waning and waxing again of the coronavirus in its relationship to our own community, we as the leadership of this church have been confronted with our own season of choices as well. How do we navigate worshiping as the body of Christ in the midst of increasing positive tests in our community? How do we steward well our specific context here at TCC amidst so much uncertainty at a local, a state, and a national level? What choices are available to us, and how do we make the right one? Well, prayer discernment of the leading of the Holy Spirit, engaging in as many conversations as we possibly can to best assess our situation. We've been blessed by information, strong communication, and also by time and wise counsel from our community about how we can continually make the best possible decision amongst the choices before us. And sometimes in life, we have this privilege the luxury of time, of counsel, information, and collaboration to make, an educated to, uh, to make an educated choice amongst a litany of options. But sometimes, we're not so fortunate. Uh, I was driving down Prosperity just over here a couple weeks ago, heading back to our church campus after meeting someone for coffee at Top of the Morn, my mind uh, was kind of all over the place. Uh, I was thinking about how badly Ed Borchi had beat me in tennis the day prior. I was thinking about the saintly patience of Becky Falcone as she walks Claire and I through buying our first house. I was thinking about how much John Moons misses playing pickup basketball at 6 in the morning every Tuesday and Thursday. And really, especially thinking about how badly Brandon Dykstra wishes he could hit a mid-range jump shot. And I was thinking about you. How life has been disrupted and how life has carried on. And as I'm thinking, the pickup right in front of me slams on their brakes, making a hard right into the parking lot of that McDonald's. You know the one. It's, it's right on Prosperity and Cherry, across from the Denny's and Caddy Corner from the KFC. And in an instant, I was confronted with two choices. Slam on the brakes, or ram, no pun intended, straight into the brake lights of the pickup right in front of me. There's no time to pray, no time to discern, no time to gather information. When we make them, choices like this can hardly seem like choices at all, right? Some part of my brain made the choice to tell my right foot to slam on the brake pedal before the conscious part of my mind had even begun to realize what was happening. Sometimes choices are difficult and they require time and thoughtful discernment, but sometimes... They're obvious, and they're made in the blink of an eye. But, while they are made differently, when it boils down to it, the choice in both situations is still ours to make. In our scripture today, from Luke 1, we're introduced to one of the most significant and important figures in the history of the Christian church. And right off the bat, we know only three things about her. She's a virgin, she's engaged, and her name is Mary. Now immediately, Mary is confronted with a choice that will fundamentally alter not only her life, but also the history of the world. 
Verses 26 to 28 say it like this. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings, you who are highly favored. Now, normally, when we drop into a portion of the Bible that starts like this, we think, oh, okay, maybe this Mary person has done something really important, really cool, or maybe she's from a prestigious family, right? I'm sure there's a reason that she's greeted as you who are highly favored. Let me see here. Um, Nope. In fact... Mary's response is in verse 29, where it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Uh, Who are you? How did you get here? And what in the world are you talking about? And so what is going on here? Well, 2,000 years ago, if you lived in Israel, you would know that this greeting, you are highly favored, was reserved for folks who have received the favor of the Lord without actually seeking it. See, like a true gift or grace or real unconditional love, this type of greeting signifies that the favor has simply been given to Mary. She's done nothing to earn it. And so we can imagine with her jaw on the floor hearing the next words from the angel, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Hey, I know you're a virgin. I know you're engaged. I know you're a little freaked out right now. But I'm here to let you know that you've been chosen to give birth to the most important person in the history of humankind. You don't even get to name him because his name essentially means savior and you really can't do any better than that. And he will fulfill the words of the prophets. See, Advent reminds us that some choices are hard, some are obvious, and some are made for us. For Mary, the choice has been made. She has no say in the matter. She has not earned which, what has been decided for her. She, she has no input. God didn't say, hey Mary, uh, I'm thinking you'd be a great candidate to give birth to the Messiah. Any thoughts? And on one level, this ought to be the most joyful day of Mary's young life, right? I mean, she is as direct a participant in a miracle as anyone could be. She will nurture, raise, and be forever linked to the way, the truth, and the life. And she will forever have status as highly favored within the eyes of the creator of the universe. Not only that, but check out Luke eleven twenty seven when Jesus is teaching a crowd of people. And this woman calls out and she says, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. She's talking to Jesus. Mary is famous. And in many ways, the choice that is made for Mary is a good one. It's a a choice of joy so profound as to be life-changing. But when our excitement about her situation settles, 
We can see in our mind's eye a girl who's pregnant out of wedlock, who's faced suddenly with shame from her family, from her village, community, ostracization, ridicule, snide comments at the market, gossip before prayer, snickers whenever she enters the room, an extremely confused and likely skeptical fiancé. Because see, when God makes choices, those choices affect, well, everything. Right? God chose to reveal himself to his people. God the Father chose to send his son, the one Mary's pregnant with, into the world. And in that sending, God the Son suffered, was ridiculed, and ultimately died on a cross. And God also chose you. In John 6, after Jesus tells his disciples that he is the bread of life, he goes on to say, All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that means that God made a choice about your life. That he made a choice for you to know him intimately and personally. And during Advent, as we look at our passage here in Luke 1, known as the Annunciation of Mary, we are shown that choices made for us, God's choices in particular, can indeed be a cause for great joy. But when God makes a choice about our life, our lives, like Mary's, are bound to change. And that is a promise. Now, after the angel Gabriel alerts Mary to the wondrous and harrowing realities of a choice made for her life, we pick, up, we pick back up in verse 34. Mary responds, How will this be? Mary asks the angel, Since I am a virgin. And Gabriel essentially responds, Well, the Trinity, that's how. You will conceive by God the Holy Spirit. The power of God the Father will overshadow you, will overshadow you and you will be pregnant with God the Son. Now, not only are all three members of the Godhead going to be at work, but your long-lost cousin, Elizabeth, she's also been chosen to become pregnant in her old age. Another bona fide miracle. And why? Uh, the movie Hacksaw Ridge <laughs> is one of my favorites, if, if not my absolute favorite movie ever. Uh, it's a true story. It's about a Seventh-day Adventist named Desmond Doss, serves in the American army during World War II as a conscientious objector. He refuses, he refuses to engage in violence of any kind. He's given all kinds of grief during boot camp. He's court-martialed for refusing to carry a weapon. But he perseveres, wins the admiration of his unit, and he enters the carnage of the Pacific Theater as a medic. Now, Das's unit joins the Battle of Okinawa, and after suffering truly brutal losses... Doss, under the cover of night, begins rescuing one abandoned soldier after another. And after each rescue, Doss prays, Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get just one 
more. By the grace of God, Doss that night saved the lives of 75 men. He was awarded the Medal of Honor for his bravery. Desmond Doss was a war hero. He was a patriot. He was also the recipient of a promise. A promise not made by a country, an institution, but by an unshakable, uh, but an unshakable promise made by the unshakable one himself. See, as God makes the choice to reveal himself to us, he calls us to repentance. He calls us to submit our lives, not to an institution, but to a man. The man who lived without sin, who sacrificed himself to restore our relationship with God the Father and to pay the debt of sin of the entirety of the human race. And because of what he's done, our lives are guaranteed to change. God promises that they will because when the choice is made for us to become disciples of Jesus Christ, we are met with the same words that are given to Mary in verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. That is a promise. We're reminded of this promise in the season of Advent. We're reminded that we can be joyful when God's word tells us that Jesus' birth was the first of two times that he will come into the world. We can be joyful when God's word says that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has atoned for all of our sins, for the guilt and the shame and the scars that we carry. We can be joyful when Jesus says to us in Scripture, Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. We can be joyful when Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Advent reminds us we can be joyful about what we read in Scripture because we're told that no word from God will ever fail. And that's a promise. And as followers of Jesus, God's word also promises we will face many trials. That Jesus came actually not to bring peace, but he came to bring division. That father and son, mother and daughter, brother and brother will be divided. That we will be persecuted by the world. That we will be confronted with a thorn in our flesh, that as followers of Jesus, we are promised hell is real, that there are dire consequences for those who do not come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as followers of Jesus, we are promised in God's word, the pain of sin will not cease until Jesus returns. We're promised that difficulties lie waiting for us, lurking around the corner. We are promised all of it the wonderful and the not-so-wonderful. For no word from God will ever fail. See, Advent reminds us of this promise, whether we like it or not. And so we are left with a choice. How are we to respond? Many of us want to run. I know that I sure do sometimes, Right? Parables of the lost sheep or the wayward son are excellent examples of how many of us often feel lost, scared, unwilling to face the consequences of discipleship. 
And that is one choice. And if you've made it, I want to let you know that there is grace. There is mercy. There is peace waiting for you in the wide open arms of God the Father. And by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we also have the choice of responding like Desmond Doss, holding true to our gospel-centered convictions in the face of extreme adversity. Choosing to cling to the truth of the gospel when the hands-down easiest solution would be to run for the hills. As we wrap up here today, uh, I want to give the last word to a British poet, the 20th century, a guy named Philip Britz. He wrote this. He said, The pattern of complete abandonment of human strength and total surrender to God's will is of vital importance for us, both in our lives of activity and of spiritual experience. It was in the surrender of herself to God that Mary became the mother of Christ. It was in her acceptance of Gabriel's message that the great decisive event of history took place. And in our own daily lives, in our efforts to do right, what is decisive is that we accept and live by and surrender ourselves to a strength which is not our own, to the piercing white light of God's love. Friends, Advent reminds us that joy does indeed lie in the promise of God's word, the promise of the gospel. And Advent also reminds us to respond just like Mary, making the choice to respond like Mary, saying, I am the Lord's servant. And may your word to me be fulfilled. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.